How can selectively looking the other way decrease behavioral problems in our children and increase parenting satisfaction for us? We'll find out on this edition of Frank Relationships. You're listening to Frank Relationships with Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Frank Love. Yes, as always, those are my babies. Thanks for getting Daddy started today. Mwah! Licensed social worker and author, Dr. Katherine Perlman, is with us today. And I'm curious, why do parents lose when they negotiate with their children? Because the kids always win. The kids don't care what they win. They're just happy to win. Either they win attention or they actually win some small version of what it is that they want. But parents always lose. Kids always win. (laughs) So how do I, as a father, and I would not say I'm bad at this. In fact, I, I do. I do this. But, you know, we're, you mean we're, you negotiate with your no, kids? No, oh, okay. I do not. Okay. I really okay. do not negotiate with the children. OK, <laughs> but but for those of us who listen, sure. who do not do such a good job or who don't even believe it's it's important to do. How do what should we do? What should we do in to, lieu oh, of negotiating? Right. Right. So kids are negotiating because they know it works. And so you say, here's dinner and they say, do I have to eat it or here are your carrots. Do I have to eat all of them? It's time to turn the TV off. Can't I just have five more minutes? So we think it's innocuous. We think it's not that big of a deal. But the thing is, when kids learn that negotiation works, they want to do it all the time. And so before you know it, you're having to mediate every single decision. And parents will say, like, why can't I just say no? Why can't I just say it's time for bed and it be that time? Um, and I say, because you're negotiating. So either kids are, you know, learning that parents give them a lot of chat about why they have to eat their dinner or why it's time to turn off the TV, and that's just good attention, even if they're getting yelled at or even if they're, you know, arguing, it's attention, or they're actually getting that five more minutes. So I'd say to parents, either decide you have time for five more minutes and just don't even say no, just say yes and give it to them, or if you say no, it has to be no, because once kids learn that no is no, they'll stop begging and whining, complaining after you say no. So mm-hmm. negotiation just continues with, gee, maybe there's a chance I could get an extra cookie and I'm going to whine and complain and beg until I get it. So avoiding all that is the best way. Ignore it and um, don't negotiate. Okay, Nancy, I, I have a request. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to play mean old daddy. And that's, okay. I, I'm, I have no problem being mean old daddy in my house. Okay. I, I tease and I, I, I call myself. Him. Oh, you. <laughs> Please. He said, come by. <laughs> <laughs> I call myself mean old daddy around my kids, and they laugh, and they say, yeah, you're mean, and all that good stuff. So, okay. Okay. All right. I want you to pick a scenario. I want you to pick a scenario where you're asking for something, and I want to I go through how I would handle it, because I don't know off, you know, I don't even know what your scenario would be, but what you, you know, give me a scenario where you're, you're acting like one of my kids, and. I want to go to my friend's house. Uh, sure. Oh. All right. <laughs> that wasn't so mean, yeah. old daddy. <laughs> that wasn't so mean, old daddy. Right. Okay, okay. Overnight for the weekend. Mm. Uh, which friend is it? Uh, Susie. <laughs> <laughs> well, for my four-year-old daughter, that's fine. <laughs> but for your son? 
Yeah, for my 13-year-old son, that would be an issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, her parents are cool with it. Uh, I'm not cool with it. So, in fact, I don't even know her parents. In well, fact, but I know her. Yeah. We good friends. The answer's She's no. my homie. Good, goodbye. Go get take the trash out. Come on, man. I'm 16. Which part of no didn't you understand? Go take uh, the trash out. Goodbye. Mm, <laughs> and that is, that's a real roll. conversation. That's how you roll. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he rolls. Oh, my God. So, Dr. Perlman, is negotiating like the high-end term for bribery? Um, no, I think bribery is like, imagine you're trying to uh, negotiate with a terrorist. That's bribery. So it's like kids acting awfully, but we've got to get to the supermarket, or we're waiting at the dentist's office, or we're in a place where it's not appropriate, and the kid knows it. And so we promise something so that the kid will stop acting inappropriately. That's bribery. Right. If you stop this, I'm going to do I'm going to give you something. That never feels good, and that's bribery, and parents should not do that. Rewards, on the other hand, are A-OK, and that's like saying, we're headed to the supermarket. If I see good behavior, and I don't have to ask you where you're wandering off to, and you don't ask me for any sugar cereal, then when we get home, we'll have extra time for, you know, three stories tonight at bedtime, or um, I'll make special cookies for dessert, or whatever it is. That's a reward for good behavior. It's set up in advance. We're not trying to, you know, calm an obnoxious child in a bad moment. Um, and that can actually help improve behavior. Bribery actually makes behavior worse in the long term because the kids know when we're vulnerable, they act up and immediately we give them our iPhone or we give them something to quiet them down, like some candy in the store or whatever. Then they learn whining, complaining when we're out in public works, mm-hmm. and I should just do it more often. So in so. light of your terrorist in, uh, analogy, it's about the preemptive strike. Not exactly. letting the not letting the kid get out of hand, and then saying, "I'll do this if you do that." Yeah, parents just want to feel like they're in control and that they can manage their kids, especially when they're out in public. And so that's actually makes you feel the worst when you feel like people are watching you and your kids are acting up. And then sometimes we parent in ways that we know we shouldn't, but we're just concerned about other people. So it's better to, as you say, like preempt it and think ahead of time. What are my trouble areas? What's the behavior I want to see? Let your kids know the expectations, because sometimes we forget to let them know, here's what I expect from you at grandma's 50th birthday party. Um, and then they know what, to, what we're looking for, and then if need be, we can reward them for their good behavior. And sometimes a reward can just be noticing that they acted well and just say, hey, I really like the way you said thank you when I came in, or the way you asked me if, I could, if you could help with the groceries, or the way you... Um, you know, dressed up without complaining for grandma's party. Like, just even saying thank you or noticing can be a reward to motivate kids for their behavior. It doesn't always have to be something material or concrete. Doc, okay. I got a problem with you. I'm going to tell you yeah. that. Okay? First of all, you said grandma's 50th birthday party. Now, what grandma <laughs> grandma is what 50 grandma's years 50? old? But the problem <laughs> is, the bigger problem is I am 44 oh with an 18-year-old who is now a sophomore in, in college, college, who could yeah. possibly be possibly married and ready to have yes, her first child by the time five you're 50. years, and I could be a 50-year-old grandfather. Grandpa. Pop, so pop, we're going to end this interview right now. <laughs> <laughs> Since you've written a script on Frank's future. 
and I've got I've got to get on. Actually, let me come and sit on your couch. <laughs> I get freaking out. Right. I'm sorry. Like, Not what? you, Grandpa. Not Another you, Grandpa. Papa. Right. Right. Uh, okay. Um, I I gotta I want to I want to get on your couch. I want to I want me and my wife to sit on your couch for a quick second. Can we do that? Yep. Let's hear it. Okay. So. One of the things we do pretty, pretty often is uh, we travel with our children. And so we and when we travel, typically it's driving because we got a lot of kids. We've got five children and a niece that lives with us who travels with us like she's one of our children. So yeah, ends up uh, my daughter's in college. So it's probably one of my daughters is in college. So it's generally probably five kids in the back seat somewhere, you know, in okay. the minivan or whatever. Now, one of the things the children do that irritate both of us is they constantly are saying mommy and then they ask a question or dad and then they're asking a question and it could it could be a barrage of questions just the whole trip so (laughs) it gets to the point where I say I cut off the questions no more mom no more if, if it starts with mommy if it starts with daddy you can't say it end of end of conversation we're done with that right now and so they will push it a little bit. They'll push it a little bit, and then I'll say, look, did you hear what I said? And, and so they, they get the picture pretty much. But then what interestingly enough happens is they'll say something, and it'll pique my wife's interest. Like, she'll be interested in what they want. And so she's prone to say, what, what? What do you, what do you what's the question? And, but I'm saying... Look, I told you guys enough. And so it ends up being, it ends up. Catch 22. Yes, yes. Where, and then I say, babe, I already told them they can't talk. If you are, if you're asking them what they want, they're they're basically throwing some bait out there to see if somebody's going to bite. And if she bites, it's like, well, mom said, mom's talking to me. I can talk to, I can talk to her. But the, the crazy thing is they're driving her crazy. And it's well, not, not just, if she's interested. No, but she's interested. But she'll end up getting driven crazy oh, too. She was driven crazy in the beginning with me, which made me say, you know, part of the reason I'm saying, you guys hush, is because she's pulling her hair out, and I'm pulling my hair out. I mean, I'm not. not she's literally. pulling her hair out, and it kind of it affects me to see her pulling her hair out. Sure. So I'm saying enough, guys. So. What do you say to these two parents with uh, a back seat full of children? Full of hosts to their own future shows. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're asking questions. uh, I could actually speak to both parents on this. I think you're setting yourself up for failure and a really grumpy car ride because you've got five kids in the back. And without something to do, without a plan, without any kind of, like, rules or whatever – it, of course they're going to get on everybody's nerves. And then as soon as they see they're getting on your nerves, they're just going to do it more because what else are they going to do in the car? Like, if I can just get a rise out of someone, it's like, yes, that was fun. <laughs> so it's become like a game to them. Mm-hmm. And they don't have an alternative or what else they can do. So, And then mom and dad aren't on the same page, which mm-hmm. happens in a lot of homes. Right. And what ha- Mom and dad don't always have to be on the same page, by the way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works out great. Like my husband, he says yes much more than I do. Like, build a fort with every pillow in the house? He says yes. I say no. But you know what? He's right. Let him say yes. But the things I say no on, he follows me up on. Mm -hmm. So mom and dad have to be 
at least supportive to each other when one throws down a rule. And the other thing is they have to come up with a few non-negotiables. So like in the car, non-negotiable for some families, there's no eating in the car. I can't imagine a car like that, but for some families, that's how they roll. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, uh, one person has control of the radio at a time for an hour, or whatever the rules may be. You have some kind of non-negotiable rule that mom and dad are on the same page, and we don't wait till we're in the car to make that agreement. We kind of say, look, honey, we're going on a four-hour car ride. Here's what typically happens. How can we work it out so it's going to be a little bit different? And the other thing is, I think the kids would be less mom, dad, mom, dad if they had something to do. So I think the whole car together can listen to an audio book, which is awesome because then when you stop or it's like something that you're actually doing together right now, there's no talking and there's just listening, but it's something you're actually all doing together. And there are loads of books that can be interesting for parents and kids. We've definitely done this. Mm -hmm. um, and then also sometimes letting them listen to their, um, with their earphones to their own books or music or anything like that. And sometimes the kids can share something even with the splitter um, so that they're less prone to like mommy, daddy, mom, daddy. Also games, you can give them like car bingo. Uh, my kids have one mini mart stop. Uh, so I only have two kids, but you know, you might have three, you know, one mini mart stop or three or whatever, however long their car ride is. Um, and say, okay, guys, when you're ready, you all decide, and you and we stop at the mini mart, and everybody gets something for two dollars or less, or you know, a drink or something to kind of break it up and get everybody out of the car and give everyone a moment of, you know, separation before you put them back in there. Mm -hmm. But I think those tips can kind of help the car ride go a little bit smoother, so that mom and dad aren't always, you know trying to talk to the kids every single second of the car ride, which can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I would say in, is that, um, you know, you've got to practice ignore it sometimes. And that is, you know, when you've already said no to the kids and they keep trying, well, they're trying because they're waiting for you to react. And even if it's negative, sometimes that's all they want. So you, once you say no, you explain why. You say, like, look, there's no more asking mommy and daddy for an hour. Give them a time. Don't say forever right. because that's just too long. Mm -hmm. Give them a time frame. And then after that, everything they do, it's complete quiet. Mom and dad are ignoring it. They're listening to their music. They're talking to each other. Eventually, the kids will see it's not effective, and they, will, they won't bother with it. They'll be like, oh, there's no point. They're not mm -hmm. answering us. Mm -hmm. There you have it. Ignore it. Now, to my wife's credit, if I say to her, babe, uh, I just told them to... You know, to, We're to, not talking yes. to them anymore. She will generally <laughs> say, okay, all right, I, I get what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and so, and then also to my children's credit, after a point, there there's a point where they get it, where they will reserve themselves to the back of the car. But then you got to be careful because they start picking on each other. And that's well, that's what mm -hmm. I'm thinking. Don't they just start going at it with each other? Uh, at times, but that could very well be one of the things we're irritated with them doing in the beginning, which is have, has... How they which, ended up taking it out on YouTube. Right, they end up saying, Mommy, so-and-so is doing this. looked at me. So it's... And now, to one of the things that I think is missing from our car ride that you alluded to, Doc, is talking about expectations early. And having something Bef to do. Before the car ride. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, my my kids, they they always bring some, they got a junk oh, bag okay. full of stuff. Okay. Uh, but the, the expectations before the car ride, I believe is important. And that's, it's important um, also in her book, she talks about what to do before you go to the restaurant. Um, before you go anywhere, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it could very well be before you go anywhere. And one of the things I can see 
doing that's important is talking about behavior, expected behavior before you go out basically anywhere. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because we think our kids know what we expect of them, but they really don't. Mm-hmm. Often they have no clue. And if they just know, then they can follow along. And then again, then we reward them when they do. We say, wow, I really appreciate how you listened. And in the car, you didn't bother me for that whole first hour. Yeah. Right. Nice work. Yeah. Welcome to Frank Relationships, a show for you, my brethren, who, like me, are too young to be considered old and too old to be considered young. It's also for those of you who love and support us. We're here to provide weekly wisdom, conversation, and the information that will help create loving and flexible parents and partners. I'm Frank Love, and you can find me, my blog, and my various social media incarnations at franklove.com. If you're listening to the show on Blog Talk Radio, please follow us. And via iTunes, please subscribe so that you can effortlessly get the show each week. Also, if you're enjoying the show, And of course you are. Please give us a favorable iTunes rating and please share it with your family and friends on your favorite social media platform. We're always looking for new social media friends. So please help us help our communities by spreading the word about the show. Greetings to my co-host, Nancy Goldring. Greetings, Frank. The consummate generalist is here. Indeed. Uh, (laughs) Today's guest is the founder of The Family Coach a private practice specializing in helping families resolve everyday problems related to discipline, sleep, and sibling rivalry, amongst other issues. Her syndicated Dear Family Coach column has appeared in the Wall Street Journal and many parenting magazines. She's the proud parent of a son in elementary school and a daughter in middle school. She's been working with children and families for more than 25 years. So, If you, like me, want to know how most parents initially respond to the concept of ignoring certain behaviors in their children, if you want to know what hyper-parenting is, and if you want to know, and this is is a little weird, if you want to know her answer to why I hate the term play date, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) then stay tuned. As your Frank Relationship team talks with none other than the author of Ignore It, How Selectively Looking the Other Way, Decrease Behavioral Problems, and Increase Parenting Satisfaction. And she's the Assistant Professor of Social Work at Brandman University. She's Dr. Catherine Perlman. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, Before we get too deep, much deeper into today's interview. <laughs> I want to check in to see what's going on in the news. And please, Doc, don't be bashful. We certainly want you to weigh in if you have something to say. Uh, okay. Um, according to Bustle.com, these are the top 10 excuses that you can use to leave a party. Now, what does this have to do with relationships? You may be at a party with just your partner and you're looking at them like, how do we get out of here? You know? <laughs> We've, we've showed up like we said we would. What I'm do ready we need to go? Yes, we're, we're, what do we do? All right. Okay. All right. So the first one is you can blame the cat. Come on. Um, I don't. How okay. Do you, I don't know All how right. you blame a cat. All, All right. right. The second one is you can blame the dog. Still. Yeah. Okay. Right. 
You can blame your health. He's even made the top ten. Oh, oh I, I feel. I think I've known people who've actually used both those excuses. Really? Dog has to get walked. It's been too many hours. <laughs> the cat has diabetes and needs its shot. I'm not kidding. I've heard both of those. Okay. Oh, man. Yep. So me and Nancy are the weird ones. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe you need a cat or a dog. We need cats and dogs. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. You could blame the babysitter. Oh, definitely. Okay. We only paid her for a certain number of hours. And and I think you can blame your parents slash the babysitter. Okay. You can say that. Okay. Um, you can blame the kids. They got an issue. They got a health mm. problem or, you mm. know, they, whatever, they, they're messing they're up at kids. home. They're your kids, yeah. Yeah. Um, blame the alarm system. We just got a call from ADD. <laughs> 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 the alarm's going off. Here's one. You can make up and present an excuse before the party. So you could say, I can't, I can't stay, stay long. long. Yes, because, I've done that. Okay, you've yes. done that. Uh, so who did you do that to, Nancy? Oh, I do that probably just about every other event I go to, okay. especially if I didn't want to go in the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. That's my tagline as soon as I walk in the door. Or, or I've set it up before I got there mm-hmm. that I either, either I... I I'll come early because I can't stay long. Mm-hmm. Um, or I've already made it clear that I have something else to do, but I really want to be supportive. So I will be there. I just don't promise to stay all night. Mm-hmm. The supportive piece is important. Just show up, you know, let them know that they're important to you. Important enough to. I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm telling the truth, but I'm like, oh my God. I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. I'm not even there yet. You know, it's like, God forbid. And then, God forbid, you meet somebody and you're saying, oh, this is actually fun. Then it's like, yeah. I thought you had to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, yes. Nancy. All right. <laughs> You can always not explain and just say, and just, I got to go. Got to go. Oh, you leaving already? Yep. Got to go. Okay. All right. And the last is, well, no, that's not the last. You can try honesty. I'd love to stay, but I'd love to leave more. <laughs> I don't want to hear that to me. You no can way. just say, I got to go, right? You don't have to get all crazy. You wouldn't say that, Doc. No way. No, <laughs> I'd love to leave more. Be honest, because I actually think sometimes being honest is the right way. Like, you know what? I'm super stressed out at work, and I really want to come just to support you, but I got to go, you know, finish a product, or I got to get up early. Like, sometimes we think we need to make up some big excuse, but the truth is actually good enough. I thought that's what they were going to say, but I would never say, you know, I'd love to say, but I'd love to go more. No way. <laughs> and no, the not last, if you want to keep a friend. Yeah. The, the last is you can just disappear. Like really, just hmm. where's where'd Nancy go? Hmm. I don't know. Where did she go? Well, you know. Oh, what? that's like ghosting. No, don't do that. That's yeah, I was ready to say <laughs> I kind of was in a situation like that not too long ago, and I didn't intend to go ghost, but I was with someone, mm-hmm. and so she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna run to the restroom." So I was like, "Oh yeah, me too," and we go to the restroom, and she's driving. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, she decides, you know what? I'm ready to go. And I was <laughs> like, uh, okay. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, are we going to go back and say goodnight? No, of course, going back and say goodnight is going to take another 20 minutes, right? Uh-huh. And I didn't, I didn't get into it. I'm so accustomed to not being at anyone else's behest, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just like, well, I guess I just leave you now. Just so, and I just played it like, oh, okay, like this was normal. But then... A friend of mine did write back later and say, I never got 
Uh, basically, I can't believe you left without saying goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't say that. It's yeah. like I didn't get a chance to say to goodbye. Say goodbye. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was with someone else and she was there. And he didn't say anything, but I was like, mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was not cool. That so was. I thought, next time, you drive yourself. <laughs> okay. So. I got a... Um, this is this is a little comedic and mm. this is for the fathers out there and okay. the you know you ladies can laugh at us but um it i think it i, I it hits home mm. so this guy um he wrote there's a there's a social media platform called medium okay and i check it out periodically the guy's name is david mike and he wrote a he wrote a uh i guess it's a blog called dangerous parenting techniques mm. And now, while it sounds serious, it's not. It's, okay. it's on the comedic side. Okay. All right. Here's his disclaimer. And so this is a comical take on what not to do as I'm a father. I'm glad we have a professional on the line. <laughs> Let's see what she says. See how dangerous they really are. All right. His disclaimer is all of these stunts were performed by a parent with little to no experience. No children were permanently physically harmed during the events. The jury's still out on counseling. <laughs> These or techniques really are not recommended for anyone. And last but not least, do not try this at home. Mm. So, okay, his first is no bedtime stories. He found himself, when he went to read bedtime stories to his daughter, when he was done with the story, he would fall asleep and the daughter would get up and be oh all over gosh. the room trying on, trying on clothes in the room. <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, he's saying don't do that, okay. all right? Okay, no shoulder rides. Oh, man. Yeah, Why? apparently. He hit the kid's head on the door jam? Exactly. <gasps> His daughter hit her head oh, on something. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, lost a, lost a streak of blonde hair. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Um, and, and, okay, I'm going to tell, tell on myself. We were at my sister's graduation this okay. was years ago my sister is hmm, she probably graduated from college this sister graduated about 10 years ago and okay. so we were with my no it was probably 15 years ago we mm. were, my daughter we were at um some arena and my daughter was on my shoulders and i went to bend down to pick something up oh god and there was when i bent down when i was getting up she hit her head on whatever it was oh. I had bent like kind of like under. I was so I was so Just embarrassed. Oh, I couldn't believe I hurt man. my baby girl. Or even came close to hurting her. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, did she cry? No, she was cool. It wasn't it, it was just the idea. Yeah, it yeah. was just your stupid dad. That oh, kind of thing. that's how you felt. <laughs> yes, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Okay, no shoulder rods. Yeah. Uh the third is counterintuitive is what he calls it. And it's really no counter sitting because he put his daughter on the counter at a store and the daughter slid off. She <laughs> fell. <laughs> on the ones with the conveyor belt? Yeah, like, like, oh, well, no, no, no. God. Like it's 7-Eleven, uh, you know. or And she fell off? She fell off. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, okay. And this is, whew, be careful clipping the baby's fingernails. So. He, oh, he clipped the baby's finger? He actually clipped the baby's finger. No. So he, he saw a little bit of blood at the end. Of <laughs> but I will say, in all fairness, that men clipping women, the little kids' um, nails, they've got big fingers, and those right. are teeny, tiny, tiny little fingers. It's a hard job. Yes. Right. right. What I found to be effective is that you really bite the baby's fingernails. I think that's safer mm. to actually bite them. 
instead of clipping. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've done it five times. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's worked well, for you. Five series of <laughs> okay, times. Okay. Okay. So, okay. um, all right. There well, you go. You, you got anything else on that doc? Man, I think that like, yeah, that kind of covers it. <laughs> like the, the good no do list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know about the bedtime stories. I think that that dad is chronically exhausted. <laughs> and if I were a betting woman, I would say that he is not getting enough sleep because his kids are waking up all night long. They're in the bed. They don't have good falling asleep routines, any of that. That's what, that's an exhausted parent who can't even get through a bedtime story. That's mm-hmm. what's going on there. That's my guess. Ah, okay, David. Uh, David, <laughs> Mike, you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Go to bed. All right, Doc, we're going in deep into the interview. What is it that you, if you could categorize it succinctly, what do you suggest that parents ignore? So the main things that they should ignore are anything that's annoying, because there's no benefit in responding, and then whining, complaining, tantruming, negotiating, and pushing our buttons. Those are the main things that they have to ignore. And the reason that they have to ignore it is because anything that has a benefit or a reward will be repeated. So kids have learned that whining, complaining, tantruming, pushing our buttons is all very effective in getting either something that they want or something that they don't want. And so they keep doing it. It works. Mm -hmm. So when we ignore it, the kids are like, huh, that didn't work. They try harder for a little bit. Still, it doesn't work. They give it up. They try to find some other way to get attention or to get a reward by being pleasant. Hmm. Uh, What do you, this this next question, I've got a, I'm, boy, (laughs) this is my own disclaimer. You're going to, you're going to fall pro or against some some parents are going to listen to the answer to this question and say i'm with her or i'm not some will okay all right what's your take on corporal punishment yeah so i've been asked this so many times and here's what i say i'm not gonna judge a parent for it a lot of parents feel like it helped them growing up is how it's how they did it in their house here's what i say from my experience and my research it's not effective Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like a temper tantrum for a parent. Often it's their way of getting their own anger out. They think it's teaching a kid a lesson, but it actually is not effective because the kid's getting a lot of attention for it. And honestly, if he still wants to sneak out of the house, he will. If he still wants to, you know, smoke or drink or, you know, get caught not doing his homework or mouthing off, he will. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think it's effective, so I'm a big no for it. Plus, I have a hard time explaining to my kids, you can't hit, and then I hit them. I mm-hmm. just can't kind of put that together in my mind. Um, I, I don't think my kids have every opportunity I have, so I drink soda. They're not allowed. I'm allowed beer and wine. They're not allowed. That's, I'm cool with that. But I just think it's a really hard concept for a four, five, six, ten-year-old to say, yeah, yeah, keep your hands to yourself, but if you do bad, here's my hand on you. I just I don't have a good time with that. Well, corporal punishment isn't just spanking or hitting. It can also be, let's say you tell them to do 10 push-ups or something like that. Where do you fall on that, that kind of corporal punishment? Kind of military game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to go with the, I, I don't think it's effective. Okay. Like, I'm big in, I'm, okay, sometimes you need to give kids consequences for their actions, mm-hmm. and I think that that can be very helpful. So feeling some pain or aggravation as a result of your behavior to inform you not to do that behavior again is the idea behind consequences. I don't know if those push-ups are going to help the kid remember, yeah, I don't really want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, 
I think the consequences have to be more related to whatever it is that they did. So they're caught using their cell phone at night when it's supposed to be charging downstairs. Then they lose that cell phone. Like doing those push-ups then and there or whatever it is, I don't think that's going to be effective. But the next day going to school without your cell phone, oh, that's going to be painful. That kid is not going to enjoy that, and I guarantee he's not going to get caught again with that cell phone in this room. Mm. And then the other thing is natural consequences. A lot of times parents think we have to do something right. to inform a consequence, but a lot of times natural consequences are better. Those are the things that happen when parents step out of the way mm-hmm. and kids are forced to have a consequence. So they didn't put their homework in their backpacks like they're supposed to, and they get to school and they don't have their homework or they don't have their flute or their uniform for, for gym mm-hmm. or um, sports, and so they can't participate or they get an F for that homework and that kid's going to be upset. The teacher might give him a lecture. He might have to stay in at recess, whatever it is. That's a natural consequence. That's going to be painful. The kid's not going to be able to play sports or he's going to be wearing a dirty uniform or whatever it may be. And then the next time you say, hey, you should put your homework in your in your folder so you remember it, he's going to be like, right, yes, I should because I got an F last time and that was not good. You may not even have to remind them. True. They exactly. learn the lesson themselves. Have such better organization because they remember that pain. Mm-hmm. Now there's there's another parent on the the other side of the spectrum that would say that's abusive to to not go home. You your child forgot their flute you, or their gym uniform. And you have uniform. to leave work and go home and get it and take it to well, home no. and all that craziness. It, it's abusive that you would not that you would get in the way of their education and how they're performing in school when you can make the difference. You're making it hard on the teacher. You're making it hard on the child. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about? A foreign concept or she's like, no, I don't get it. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. You're basically saying that it's, uh, a parent is not doing their parental duty by not going home and getting the uniform or getting the instruments. Like, they're, the parent is getting in the way of their kid's success, and it's our duty to go help the, right. the kid. Right, right. Yeah. That's nonsense. So here's what I say about that. Yeah, sure. That's a long ter- a short-term help. Like, if you forgot your uniform and I bring it to you, that's helping you in the short run. But mm-hmm. in the long run, I'm actually hurting your long-term success because I'm not helping you learn your organizational skills. I'm not helping you learn responsibility. And I'm not helping you learn to take care of yourself. You know, kids are not going to stay with us for life, at least. I think that's the goal, is <laughs> send them off to the world and help them be successful adults. Right. And that starts in, at home. It starts in elementary school by teaching them to do chores. And it starts by letting them, you know, take charge of their homework in middle school and high school. And, you know, being responsible for their laundry and, you know, being able to cook a few things. And, you know, all these things are, are, are that's also part of our job. And so I think a short-term consequence, a small consequence is better now than to have a bigger one later on. When Believe me, I teach college students, and I've seen college students that their parents are still calling because they don't like their <laughs> grades or they're still coming to the rescue of the kids. Like, when does that end? When is a kid an adult and he's able to, you know, manage himself? So I think parents are actually doing more harm than good when they do that. Mm. Oh, now, okay, now here's an interesting dynamic. So you end up interacting, you're a family you're a family, what do we call it, counselor or therapist? Uh, was that, is, which one is the most accurate? Mm, either one. Okay, all right. So you end up teaching a child, uh, a college student, you can call that person a child or an adult, whatever. You, know, you, you, you end up teaching that individual while interacting with their parent. And I'm sure you want to say to the parent, look, <laughs> uh, you got to, you you would do well to help this child by backing up 
But the child has been supposedly hyper parented. Um, and we'll talk about what that means in a minute. Uh, the, the child has been hyper parenting, I guess, for 18 years at that point. And so how do you have that conversation? And who do you have that conversation with when the parents calling you wanting some special accommodation for the child? Yeah, that that seems like an interesting place to be. Yeah, so either I'm advising parents that are calling me or just when I do a workshop or whatever and I'm talking to parents in general, you know, they're they're wanting to get off of this track that they've been on, but it's exactly what you said. You know, it's been 16 years, 18 years where I've been doing this. Now what am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's never too late to start giving kids the tools that they need. So if there's a specific situation and the kids, you know, got agreed that they're not happy about, empower the kid, practice, you know, do role play, tell them what they need to do. And then it's on the kid. You either have the strength to go in or you don't. Like sometimes my, my daughter will be like, can you open this candy bar? I can't eat, I can't open it. And I'm like, if you can't open it, you can't eat it. Like, that's it. You know, at some point, you have to tell your kids, like, this is what you're supposed to be doing at this age. And it's your choice. If you want the benefit, you're going to have to work for it. And if you don't feel comfortable working for it, that's okay. Then it's your consequence. You know, that's it. Um, but I don't think it's too late to say, like, we're making new rules. We're changing the way we do things. But teach and support and empower kids so that they know what it is that they need to do. So given I... Uh, let's say I've, I've got a child who is, mm, let's say, 12. They've got 12 years of my parenting under, under their belt. Uh, it's their entire life, and I, I have been doing it this particular way. How do I do it differently? Where do I, I start? Think, yeah, you could have a family meeting to start with and mm -hmm. say, here, what's, what's been going on in our house? I think is not the way we want to continue. And I feel like I've been re rescuing you and I've been helping you in ways that I think it's time for you all to um, step up a little bit more. And so here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do your laundry. I am not going to pack your lunch. I am not going to bring your um, forgotten items at home. But here's what I will do. I will teach you how to do laundry. I will help you make a to-do list for the morning so you don't forget to pack your, your things. I will buy whatever it is at the grocery store. I will help you learn to make it. But if you forget your lunch, you're going to have to figure out how to manage that. If you um, leave an item at home, you're going to have to figure out how to deal with that. Um, and, uh, you know, then follow through. Sometimes what happens is parents decide they're going to make a change they tell the kids, of course, the kids are not happy, and they complain, and they whine, and they drag their feet, and parents give up. They think, mm -hmm. like, oh, this isn't going to work. It's not going to take. Like, we've been watching TV before breakfast for 15 years. How am I going to turn off the TV now? Or mm -hmm. how am I going to get them to make their lunches now? I, it's not going to work. And they give up. And that's exactly why the kids were whining and complaining, because they knew it would work. And so it just reinforces their behavior even more when the parent gives up. So... If the parent really does want to make a change, then they're also going to have to be able to withstand some of that complaining because the kids are going to really give it to them. But that means that they're noticing. That means that they get the point that there's um, a change happening. And then parents just ignore all the whining complaining, don't do what you said you're not going to do, and then wait. Because before you know it, that kid's going to be like, you know what, I really do want clean clothes for Monday. Like, I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Or I can't get another F because I don't have my uniform or my flute for, for band or whatever. Like, that's, 
I can't do it, so I better get my stuff together on Sunday night, you know. So, And then the parent is glowing. They're just so happy. They're like, wow, I can't believe that worked because they let the natural consequences happen because they stayed consistent and they ignored all of the whining and complaining. You can always do what my mom does. Hit it. That was in the past. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love it. And there is no more discussion, <laughs> even it's, to this day. I'm she's like, saying that to you. <laughs> I'm like, Mom, you j- wait a minute. We're having the conversation. Maybe we've been talking 15 minutes. And so I say something that means that the thing that she's proposed is nonsense. It's not going to work. So then she'll come back and say, okay, we're going to do such and such and such. And I'm like, but Mom, you just said, and she'll say, that was in the past. <laughs> <laughs> right. And as the forever child, as the senior, I'm saying, okay, mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You never grow up. Now, grow out of parents. Let me tell you. It sounds as though it sounds as though that was a that was a very clean conversation you just had. With the child, the you know the child that we we made up and the parent that we made up, but mm-hmm. you know, what if that child is saying that child actually hears and processes what you've said as you don't love me anymore? Like you you've been doing all of this this these things that you are saying you're not going to do anymore is what you've been doing for our life. I think and, that's foolishness. But just hear hear me out. It's what you've been doing for our life, which is has been your way of telling us. That, that you, you love, love us. us. Mm-hmm. Now you're not going to do it anymore. I process that is you don't love us anymore. So I got a problem with you. I, you know, whatever. I don't like I you. I hate you. I think part of the bribery game and kids know it. And I feel like as the parent, you're, you're just as, it would be just as effective to say, Yes, these are things that I've been doing for you for years because I love you. And because I love you, I am not going to continue to do these things. That's right. I I agree. I mean, I think I love you so much that I want to make sure that you're ready for college and adulthood. And some of that means taking some responsibility. And the other thing is sometimes when I ask my kids, you know, can you guys walk the dog or empty the dishwasher, and they're like, why? Why do I have to do it? And I say, well, why do I have to? Mm. Like, I have two full-time jobs, and I'm raising you, and I'm cleaning up the house. Why do I? Mm-hmm. You know, wow. and sometimes, like, they, they're like, right. Like, why should she have to do more than we do? Um, so I think sometimes that logic, but also that's a little bit of a form of manipulation. I think most kids that if, they, if, if there's a kid that really felt like, hey, this is a sudden switch, I'm feeling unloved, if a parent's doing it right, they're providing all the support, all the love. They're just helping em- and to empower the child to do it on their own. And also sometimes that frees up the parent to do something else that the kid really loves. Like if I'm not making you lunch, you know what I can do? Something else that you really enjoy. Um, we might have time to play video games together. Or we might have time for extra story. So um, I think that that's just a form of manipulation for most kids. Why do I hate the term play date? Why do you hate the term play date? Do you really? I can't stand it. <laughs> yes. I mean, I I think it sounds a little um juvenile? No. Oh, it's almost uh gosh, I can't 
I I don't even want to say what I'm thinking. I haven't fully <laughs> formed my thought, but it sounds a little. I can't get we'll it. We'll come I back to yeah. you, Doc. Well, why? yeah. Well, I think first of all, when I was a kid, which wasn't horribly long ago, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, you would. <laughs> we we are not that far. You got me. Right. You got me by I've a few years. I've got you by some years. Okay. So, so, but we just went out to play. Yeah. We just went out to play. It wasn't a project. Well, the difference is now everything is engineered by the parents. When mm-hmm. we were kids, we would hear kids outside. We would go outside. We would come back when it's dinner time. Mm-hmm. You know, we would get on our bikes. We'd go to the neighbors, and that was all fine. Our parents did not engineer our Every visitation move. with our friends and right. our socialization. Right. But now everything is organized by the parents. Kids all through elementary school, even up to 10 years old, they don't organize their own time. And so it's a date. It is literally a date mm-hmm. like we're making a date for Thursday rather than I hear noise outside, I'm going out to play, <laughs> or, you know, I'm going to see what Johnny's doing down the street. It's just not that way anymore. So I do think it is more of a date. I will say I don't mind the term, but when I wrote my book, it really upset me that the word play date is not one word. Like, in my mind now, it should be one word. Like, it's a play date. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And it's upsetting to me. Also, tantruming, not a word. And mm. that's upsetting to me. Mm. <laughs> well, just just so we can put the cap on my issue with yes, play date. By all means. I, I basically agree with what you just said. I, I didn't have any day on play dates when I was a kid. I went over to my friend's house. That was it. That was it. I, I, and I will say on the matter of engineering our kids every move that that thing can go on for quite a while And I even spoke with someone who said, as a hiring professional at her organization, that it was not uncommon for a college student to come in and interview and then turn her over to their parents to negotiate the hiring package. Whoa. Mm. Like, that is not uncommon. You know... On the adult side of this, since we are moving into the adult side of the conversation, I have friends, and I mean dear friends, Mm -hmm. people who are very Mm -hmm. dear to me, who we sometimes schedule telephone conversations. And I tell my I tell my friends, look, you don't have to you don't got to do none of that with me. You pick up the phone and you dial my number and I answer the phone. If okay. I if I can answer the phone, if we can th- talk. I don't screen calls, I don't send you. Let me. Someone would call me right now while while I'm on the show. You know, I wouldn't take it, but <laughs> I you. wouldn't take it because my you phone can't. is on vibrate and I don't right. even know it's ringing. Right. But I mean, I wouldn't take it if I saw it either. But past that, I'm not. You know, that just, inaccessible. Yeah, just call me. Right. I mean, you just, right. it's. I'm not that. I like people. I like the people yeah, in my life. Yeah, the people that would tend to call you. All right. Yes. All right. Yes. So, uh, you know, whatever that's worth. You're listening to Frank Relationships, and we're talking with the author of Ignore It, How Selectively Looking the Other Way Decrease Behavioral Problems and Increase Parenting Satisfaction. She's also the Assistant Professor of Social Work at Brandman University. She's Dr. Catherine Perlman. Doc, please tell us what you're up to and how we can find you. So you can find me at thefamilycoach.com, also on Twitter and Facebook, uh, at The Family Coach. I, um, my book came out a couple weeks ago, and uh, this year I'm scheduling speaking engagements around the country, so that's pretty much what I'm working on, and 
um, my kids are back to school and my college is back in session. So uh, that's pretty much what I'm, what I'm going to be working on. I, I used the term hyper-parenting earlier. Would you define it for us? So I think it used to be called helicopter parenting, and it had that's a very pejorative tone. And it was sort of a parents who were hovering and micromanaging and doing everything for their kids. Mm-hmm. And now um, I think hyper-parenting is more... Um, it's more appropriate because, quite honestly, it's a societal problem. I don't think you can say that any of us are not helicoptering. We mm-hmm. are. It's the way the society is set up. For example, I get an email every single day with my kids' grades. Everything she turned in, it gets sent to me. Anything that's missing, I find out about it. Every single thing. If anything happens in gym, anything that's, you know, for college, like everything that my kids need to do, I am involved in. And that's, that's the expectation that I should show up to school all the time and volunteer my time in there. My parents never came to my volleyball games. Now, if you're missing a baseball game, it's like, oh, is everything all right at home? Yes, everything is fine. Um, But it's the expectation is that parents are involved at this Uber level. And so that's what, you know, helicoptering or hyper-parenting is. And and I think we're all a little bit guilty to more or lesser degrees. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, The the term, well, you you have said that children have, gotten in many ways addicted to attention people are addicted to attention that's mm-hmm. that's absolutely right that's absolutely right please weigh in on what you i mean and we've been talking about this the whole show but please you know shine some light directly on that concept of being addicted to attention particularly for children so like we were saying like when we were growing up our parents did not have their hand and eye on uh, with us every single second of the day we played on our own whether it was in our house or in other people's houses Um, I was babysitting newborn babies at 13 years old. Nowadays, people wouldn't let their own kids babysit, um, you know, stay alone. So I think, you know, kids have grown up with, you know, expecting their parents to be playing with them and looking at them and watch me, watch me, watch me all the time. And to make matters worse, now we have social media where kids even, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old are starting to get validation from people um, and attention for, you know, their pictures of themselves. I mean, what a way to go in the wrong direction is to take kids and, you know, make their self-worth about what it is that they're doing and posting and crafting perfect pictures of themselves. So kids get very used to this kind of attention from their parents, from their peers, and they're sometimes willing to do uh, things that are not in their best interests because it gets them attention and so that's what they're looking for and so i think we've really got to step back and and retrain ourselves and our kids to be comfortable without a constant viewpoint from somebody else without getting validated from somebody from the outside it's got to come from within now um and we've got to step away from constantly validating our kids and giving our attention to them um and them being able to use that as a form of you know manipulation for us what do you say to those and this is this is a piece we haven't touched on at all but it's real it's very real mm-hmm. what do you say to the parents who are pressuring or looking cross-eyed or sideways at the other parent that's not at that game when that other parent is like look I, i'm not coming to every game and i've got other things to do and this is an opportunity for my child to develop and to be involved in sports and that's that that's great but that's not that doesn't mean i need to be there at every game so what do you say to that other parent that's at every game that's using it who's using you're not being at every game as a manipulation or as Mm -hmm. a way to look down on you Mm -hmm. 
you know, if it's not the parent at the uh, at the game, it's somebody online at Target or at the airport. You know, we're being judged as parents constantly, even if we're doing everything right. It's mm-hmm. constantly someone's judging us. I remember someone, like when I had a newborn, saying, are you breastfeeding? And I was thinking, well, how could it possibly be helpful to you to know one way or the other how is it you know any of your business what i'm doing at home with my like how i'm feeding my kid mm-hmm. you know what parents feel this need to kind of like judge and nudge and and if, if you're not doing it their way then it must be wrong you know mm-hmm. um so i really encourage parents to parent their way you're the one that's taking this kid home you're the one that's raising this kid you're the one that's going to send him out into the world not these other parents and sometimes parents get so in their heads about what everyone else is thinking that they don't even parent their own way and then they're stuck with all the negative behaviors and all the consequences and then they're disgruntled they're upset like why did i end up doing this why did i give in why did i do this i have to go to work i can't be at the game like why did i skip work and get in trouble with my boss so i could be at this stinking game you know um it just i don't think it ends up creating a healthy relationship so parents do you and don't worry your people will support you no matter how you parent and, you know, don't just ignore the people giving you the side eye. It's not going to be helpful to you. Okay. There, there's, a, there's a man in the room who's been rather, rather quiet for mm-hmm. the entire show. <laughs> he happens to be, he's the engineer. He runs the place. And um, he's got two children. He, they are just past college, I mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, think he, I think he's got something to say. Well, to be real honest, I, I didn't want to jump in earlier mm-hmm. because... I'm a parent, mm-hmm. but I was a kid mm-hmm. who had parents. Mm-hmm. Right. And everything Dr. Perlman's been talking about, I'm relating to From in the present. Points, mm-hmm. yeah. However, there have been instant, and I don't study parenting. It's just something we did. Mm-hmm. And were my kids at piano lessons in Taekwondo and Little League and soccer and ballet and gymboree? Absolutely. And we see the other parents who were helicopter parents who were trying to create this being that they're not. And all of that stuff. I understand <laughs> it all. Mm. College was another learning experience. Dr. Perlman, I am getting to a question. It might take me a second. Though. Okay. <laughs> okay. College was another interesting thing because there are kids who were not given any freedom, right. whose parents didn't ignore it who get to college and all of a sudden they're overdosing on freedom. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be at home. Mm -hmm. I could sleep with and wherever I want. And I can drink on a Tuesday because I'm celebrating wall-to-wall carpeting. (laughs) And believe me, and and so is it right or is it wrong? Were the parents trying to do the right thing by not letting them go to parties in high school or stay out past 10 o'clock? The parents certainly thought so. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to get to my point, which is when you're witnessing things with neighbors. Mm-hmm. I have a first-hand example of my son came home. He was eight years old. This new kid moved into the neighborhood. Hey, Dad, Nikki said he knows where his dad's gun is. Mm-hmm. True story. Wow. I went over to the new neighbor. I knocked on the door, and I said, your son is certainly welcome to play at my house. My son will not be playing at your house, and here's why. And the guy freaked out because little Nikki didn't know where his father's gun was, but he knew his father had a gun. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So every time they went out of the house, he's searching to find whatever. Wow. It became his How do you as a parent, as a citizen, as a neighbor, mention things to people diplomatically right. that you know are wrong? And I'll go one step further. Racist, sexist, you know, you name neighbors. It. Yeah. You know, Jimmy said that the Asian girl down the block is a blank. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Where did he hear that? 
Mm-hmm. Right. Is there a way, uh, this goes to It Takes a Village, is there a way that you can parent a community? Mm. Mm. I, I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, there's a place for parents to help other parents see things they may not see or may not know. But nobody wants to hear a comment about their own parenting. So it has to be done very strategically with the idea that you want to help somebody. You don't want to shame them. Mm-hmm. You don't want to make them feel bad or defensive. You just want to help them. But the truth is we can we can only give our information and our advice. We can't make them change, and that's where it becomes tricky. It's one thing to say, you know, um, is there a gun in the house or something like that, and the parent is very responsive or, you know, please don't say that, that's, that's racist, or, you know, I, I don't agree with your take on this or something to, to say that. I think that that's all really important. The problem happens when your neighbor is not responsive, you know, mm-hmm. or to say, like, you know, your kid, my son told me your kid is up all night long on his cell phone and he's texting girls in other countries and they're sexting. Okay, that parent might not take that phone away. Mm-hmm. Then what do you do? Like, that's the problem. It's like one thing when they're responsive, but when they're not responsive, you've done your thing. You've said what you've needed to say, and then you have to do what you need to do as a parent to manage your own kids. But um, for me, this is sort of like an occupational hazard. I see parenting things going on around me constantly, and I have to really pick and choose when it's appropriate for me to say something because most people, they don't want to know. Mm. They really don't. They want to do it their way, or they're, or they're honestly doing the best that they can. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be a role model for my kids. So if someone says something racist, sexist, uh, inappropriate, you know, whatever it may be, I'm going to say something in a very polite way because I want my kids to know how to respond to those sort of things. Um, if my kids are like, well, how come Jenny gets to keep her cell phone or how come she gets to say this? Well, that's Jenny's house. You know, like uh, that's not happening in our house. And so I do think there's a, a push and a pull. We've got to give in. We've got to help advise parents because not everybody knows. And But then also a lot of people, people don't want to know. So we've got to kind of feel it out and do your best. But then at some point, if the parent isn't receptive, you've got to just let it go. Why'd you write this book? So I wrote this book because, honestly, parenting is a hard job. And there's a lot of it that we can't control. So if the kids get sick and have the stomach virus, the half days at school, the packing the lunches, all this stuff, we can't avoid some of that kind of stuff for parenting. But we can avoid some of the negative behaviors. And when we can get rid of some of that whining, complaining, and tantruming and pushing buttons, actually parenting is a lot more fun. We enjoy our kids more immediately. And so I've used this technique over and over and over again, and I wanted to share it with more parents, which is why I ended up writing the book. But I was able to see that parents who start to ignore ignore anything that's annoying or some of these other behaviors, that they uh, enjoy their time with their kids more, and when they enjoy their time with their kids more, they do more with them, they build the relationships. And so um, it's kind of like this really quick tip that can make a huge difference. Well, thank you. On behalf of the, the parents who are who are listening, behalf of the parents who are, have read your book, are going to read it, thanks. Thank you for, for your wisdom. Thanks for having me. You, um, you got a good movie in mind. Uh, and mind you, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, you, you, this is something I ask most guests. Just a good movie that you may suggest. Period. Or a book. Or a good book. Yeah. Not your book. but you um, Yeah, I just finished. Um, to Siri with Love, and it's by Judith Newman, and it's about, it's a memoir about um, this mom raising 
twin boys who, at the time of the memoir, are 14. One has autism, and one uh, is a typical developing child. And it's just uh, a beautiful parenting story, but very real. And also what it's like to have a child um, who's got a real struggle that moving into adulthood is going to be a real concern as a parent themselves age. So um, I recommend it. just came out a couple weeks ago. Nice. Awesome. And before we let you go, can you give us a quick blurb on disrespectful language? How do this you is do like the, um, This is like the, the corporal punishment one. This is not a popular response, mm. but it's the right way to go. Kids are disrespectful because they know it pushes our buttons. And then when we get angry, they know that it worked. So they're angry because we won't let them sleep at Susie's house or we won't let them have any more television or we are making them do something unpleasant. They're angry, and they want us to be angry. And so they push our buttons with disrespectful behavior, and then we get angry, and then it's effective. So then they do it again next time. So I believe parents should ignore it all completely. The kids know they're, they're being inappropriate, and they're not going to get any of our attention for it. Hmm. Okay. You're listening to Frank Relationships, and we've been talking with the author of Ignore It, How Selectively Looking the Other Way Decrease Behavioral Problems and Increase Parenting Satisfaction. She's also the Assistant Professor of Social Work at Brandman University. She's Dr. Catherine Perlman. One more time, Doc, would you tell us what you're up to and uh, how we can find you? Yeah, so everyone can find me at thefamilycoach.com. And on Twitter and Facebook, I'm at thefamilycoach.com. And um, I'm going to be promoting my book and doing some speaking engagements around the country. And I'd love to come to anyone's community. Just get in touch, and I, I'd love to come where you are at. Very nice. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Along today's journey, we've discussed hyperparenting, parenting peer pressure, and what is worth ignoring. Mm. Thank you to my co-host, Nancy. Thanks to Jeff Newman, my engineer, and thank you to my guests. Dr. Catherine Perlman. You've been great. Thank you. I hope you've had as much fun as I've had hanging out with today's ensemble. As always, it's my wish for you to walk away from this conversation with a heaping helping of useful information that'll help you create a relationship that's as loving and accepting as possible. Let us know what you thought of today's show at Facebook forward slash relationship F love on Twitter at Mr. That's Mr. Frank Love or at franklove.com. If you're listening via Blog Talk Radio, make sure you like us there. And if via iTunes, make sure you subscribe so that you can receive each week's show. This is Frank Love.